Hi, Laura. Hi, Mary. How are you? Well, I'm I'm doing pretty good today. Um, I don't. I mean, we've you know getting some couple some things squared away. So I'm doing good. I'm feeling pretty good. So I I like that. But um, I don't think you are this week, though, were you? Your temperature? My temperature is like normal. <laughs> I think that's like not even right to say that when you're an ALS character. I know. Doesn't that feel weird? <laughs> so it's like, it's like okay, I brag a little bit. You know, I've been, I have my recumbent bike, you know, uh-huh. I, so I rode the wild Atlantic way today. <laughs> what is Ireland. that? That's in Ireland. Okay. And I, oh, that's I, like, it's like the iFit stuff. That's what it's you, my iFit. Your yeah, iFit. For our listeners, it's the iFit and you have a monitor. So there's, you know, a rider on the bike, who's the coach, the trainer, and then there's somebody behind them filming them. So this, this is along the coastline in Ireland. And I just love it. I just, I listen to a podcast now because I've done this several times and I'm tired of listening to the trainer's voice. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I put the captions on so I, I know what to do. And um, I listened to a podcast on sleep of your favorite, one of your favorite people you follow on TikTok, Mel Robbins. Mel Robbins, I I love her. Yeah, her, have you listened to a podcast? Um, I have not. I just listened to her little snippets on TikTok. You would- when you go for a walk, do you listen to podcasts? Hers is a good podcast. She did one on sleep that I'm gonna I'm gonna link in the show notes so you can listen so our listeners can find it as well. Well, I think I'm I have to go out of town next week. I have like a four and a half hour drive ahead of me. So I may have to download some of her podcasts to get me to where I'm going. Oh yeah, she has one on exercise too. That's really good. And eating, which we'll get to your thing in a minute here, about um she has an expert on um muscle and protein and how to build your muscle and she has a specialty even like in older people so that was really I listened to that as well but my big brag is <laughs> I cycled 16 miles today the job Mary I know I was like on fire I was like you go girl <laughs> that is fantastic I did a total of 55 miles this week oh man I am so proud of you that and is I'm awesome. so convinced that my sleeping has finally, finally really regulated itself since I, I fixed a lot of things in my sleeping. I lost a lot of weight over the last few years. I lost 60 pounds. I gained a few and I'm working to lose a little bit of that again. I gained like seven pounds, which is not unusual, but sometimes it's more than that when you have a little rebound of of weight gain. So I'm, I'm doing good on dropping that down a little bit. Um, but I did a sleep study a year ago. Well, I had to do a home sleep study. So for our ALS caregivers who are thinking that Mary Ward, she sure does get around. Well, I do ride a recumbent bike in the house. I'm not outside. <laughs> it's a big change for me from years of outdoor running. Yeah. I couldn't do anymore because of arthritis in my feet. And, and I was treadmill running, which is hard. I have to be home a lot more. It's more, much more difficult to leave Tom home alone. So there's a very there's like under special conditions will I leave like the time we do our podcast from three to five 30 he's in his bed and on his machine on his nice reclined beautiful room that he's in doing his little things in there he's got a tv in there and his guitars and I can leave then because he won't get out of bed so just to put that into perspective because I think if I'm listening to the podcast I'm thinking well hell man she does a lot of stuff I do a lot of stuff with a lot of boundaries that are put in place of of his safety. And so 
Um, I do, I, and I get a lot out of my equipment. So um, I always have. So I use the Becoming Bike and I love the monitor on it. And I took a sleep study last year at home and I had about 25 minutes, an entire night of REM sleep. And I knew that I was having trouble sleeping. I knew that I was really sleep deprived. And I, I was actually afraid to go to sleep after I read my sleep report. My, oh, wow. I had, I had um, mid thirties, like 33, 34 wakings an hour. So I was not getting through 90 minutes of sleep without waking a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and that's scary. And that really impacted my health. I don't know how long I think I wasn't sleeping well, probably years, but uh, the last few months before I did the sleep study were insanely crazy. I mean, I cried. I was so tired. I cried, And everything hurt in my body. And so I, I took the sleep study. I got an APAP machine, which has a little more variability and pressure than a standard CPAP machine. And our listeners should understand that because likely their pals will be on some kind of breathing machine. And it, it worked. I would say immediately it worked. You could feel the difference. I napped wow. days and I used it when I napped because I had a lot of catching up to do. But I don't think I really felt the entire full effects of using that machine until just a few weeks ago. I haven't felt this healthy in a very long time. And that's just crazy. And that's one of the things on Mel Robbins podcast that I listened to today on sleep was they talk about um, the sleep specialists talked about how creativity is, um, is, is sort of solidified in your brain during the night. And I would say like my creativity is on fire the last few weeks. It's, it's crazy. I don't even have enough time in the day to do everything. I was, I was um, making pulp last night after I had dinner. I was like, wait, I still have to make this pulp. It's sitting here and I have to do it. <laughs> and, and so, you know, it's, um, it's really great to feel good. I think the cortisol levels have really leveled out. My body doesn't hurt as much. Oh, I did good. buy an adjustable bed because I was having my hand surgery and I needed to be in a reclined position for that. Um, to have my hand up above my heart so I wouldn't be a throbbing mess of swollenness in there. Um, and that has also been a game changer, really has helped my sleep because I still do have arthritis, terrible arthritis in my feet and and some of my shoulders. So it really it really makes all the difference. Um, I know, and I'm leading into you like feeling like shit for a week. So you're like, thanks a lot for that. <laughs> yeah, I did. I felt like a lot of shit. Um, so my temperature is a little, little low because I'm just coming off of not feeling good. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, is all self, um, induced. I did it to myself. I went out last Wednesday with a very good girlfriend of mine who I've known for mm, 23 years and we had a lovely dinner and I was so good, um, except for the lemon drop martinis and one lemon drop martini went into two, three. And before you know it, I was sucking down a fourth lemon drop martini and I'm a lightweight when it comes to drinking, but I didn't think anything of it. Cause you know, I, you know, the last time I did it, I was probably it was before Tom was diagnosed the last time I really drank, um, which sounds weird to think the last time I really drank was before Tom's diagnosis. But that, when you think about it, that was in 2016, I was 
you know, 46, not quite, I was 40, actually 45, um, when he first noticed symptoms. And so when you kind of throw it in like that, going, well, shit, girl, it's been, you know, seven years since you've had a drink like that. Yeah, it's been seven years. And apparently when you drink when you're 53 is very different than you're drinking when you're 45. Huge, huge, huge difference. (laughs) You know, especially when you sprinkle in all the trauma from ALS and caregiving and not taking care of yourself. So I was miserable um, for about five days after after having all of those lemon drop martinis. And I do blame my friend Cyrus for that. Um, she was, she was egging me on, on this. She kept ordering them. I didn't even know that I was ordering them because I wasn't, she was, um, <laughs> That's it was like, they just appeared. It's like, come on, where's this coming yeah. from? Um, but I, that was on a Wednesday, last Wednesday. And then last Friday I was, um, one of my sisters and I were planning on heading to Galveston, Texas. So that's about, I don't know, it's two hours to my sister's house and another two hours to Galveston. So four hours away. And I was miserable. My stomach hurt so bad. It, I looked like I was like, you know, 64 months pregnant um, because things were just swollen. My belly was swollen up. And, um, but I, I made the trip. I toughed it out uh, Friday and Saturday, I was miserable all day Saturday. And she was finally like, let's go home. I'm like, no, we can't go home because, you know, we we said we were going to do this and I can tough it out. I know I can. I, I've done worse things. And she looked at me and said, Laura, you don't have to tough things out anymore. We can just go home. It's not going to hurt my feelings. And I had to think, Mary, for a second, you know what? I don't have to tough things out. I have to tough things out when Tom was alive, like I, you know, through, you know, I had a diverticulitis, um, flare during, it was the first time I'd ever had that when he was, um, battling ALS. I had a couple of other things happen and I always had to tough them out or got sick and had to tough it out. And it was so weird not to have to tough, tough it out. So we came home, I was able to be sick in my own bed, which is always nice. Yeah. When you can can be sick in your own bed in your own house and finally started feeling better Monday. So it was a pretty significant hit to me, but it was also one of those, I was able to kind of think things through and, and, you know, think to myself, this is just not worth it. This is not worth it. Mm -hmm. So you make a lot of different changes in your life when things like that happen. And I'm on that path now is, is making changes in my life to, um, you know, to get on top of all my gut issues. I, I have it. I see a functional doctor. We're working through a bunch of things, but I now see the the real importance of it. And so I'm coming off of that. But I will tell you one of the things that I I did when I made that decision to come home on Saturday, which is what I didn't want to do because I love the beach. I love. It's very therapeutic for me. I just love it. Plus I hard to pay for the hotel room and who wants to lose the, their money on the hotel room. But I did, but, but I was telling you earlier in this week when we spoke that I gave myself grace, I gave myself grace to, to be okay with just coming home and not, um, having to just tough it out. I don't have to tough things out anymore and, and being gentle with myself. And that's, 
kind of one of those, you know, looking back, being retrospective about what happened is I'm learning to give myself grace. I don't, I know, having known you during the most difficult time of Tom's course of the disease, my impression is you didn't give yourself, um, you, you really almost never gave yourself grace. You really mm -hmm. um, carried very heavy burdens and a lot of responsibility. And, and if you didn't do things like to perfection, it never felt right to you. You could never give yourself grace and say, well, but I'm a human being though. And sometimes I make a mistake or sometimes I don't want to do something, which doesn't mean I don't love them, you know? Yeah, no, you're right. It, it was, and I don't know where that comes from. I, I look at other caregivers and, and think, you know, I see them being able to give themselves the grace that they need. And I have always wondered why I couldn't do that to myself. And it's funny, I was telling another caregiver who recently lost their pals. It was actually their father. And I, I told him, you know, I said, there's nothing I can do that will ease the pain. There's nothing I can say. There's nothing anyone can say to ease the pain of loss. And so my only sage advice is to treat yourself with the same love and respect that you gave your dad which is something I'm learning to do to myself, but I didn't even do that when I cared for Tom. And, and I've, I've, you know, been trying to work with that with my therapist on why can't I give myself the same love and respect mm -hmm. and grace that I gave Tom. And that's something I'm working on. I'm getting better at it without having to feel guilty for it. And I, that is what would come with it. If I wanted to do something for myself, it was, this idea running in my head that, well, you can't do that because, you know, you're being selfish or, you know, you would feel guilty whether, you know, that is true or not. It was true for me. Mm -hmm. And now I'm learning to give myself grace and to love me and be as gentle with me as I was with Tom. Well, I really like that you're working on it. And I, you know, I hear that when we talk that, you know, when you need that time, whether it's time because you're feeling the trauma of it all still, or you're feeling the grief and you miss them so much um, and all the changes in your life over those, over those years um, that you give yourself the time. So maybe you didn't put the, put it under the umbrella of grace, but that's what you were doing. You were giving yourself, that's what giving yourself grace is. It's saying, it's okay if you don't want to do that. It's okay if you don't want to cook dinner tonight, you're giving yourself grace. You're not being lazy. You're saying, you know, I think we're just going to do dinner out because I do a lot of things around here. It's it's okay for me to just not want to do that. And yeah, and, and it, it doesn't happen. I mean, for me, it didn't happen immediately. I mean, I, I drove four hours because I didn't want to disappoint my sister. Um, even though, you know, I wasn't feeling the greatest and we couldn't enjoy our time together as much as I'd liked us to. I think you know, it just took her, she probably saw it and she's my older sister. I'm the, the baby of the family and she's 10 years older than I am. And she, she herself has lost a husband. So she, she is someone that, that I can connect with, you know, just in my own, you know, family that knows what I'm going through. And it was her saying, you know, it, it's okay, Laura. She was telling me all the things that I was, she was, she was 
rebutting all the things that I was thinking without having to actually say them. It's as if she already knew what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. And so when I finally did verbalize it, she was able to say, no, I'm not, we're not, we can go home. I wouldn't do this. If I was, if this was, if the shoes were on the other foot, I would have already told you I want to go home. She goes, girl, I'm in my sixties and I don't know if I don't feel good. I'm not moving out. I'm not going to tough it out for anybody. Mm -hmm. And so that made me think it's like, oh my gosh, I have been putting my own needs on the back burner for so long that that's my Mm go-to. It is the immediate place I go to is, okay, we're not going to worry about me. I'm going to worry about you. So that's like the layers of recovery that you go through after what you've been through, you know? It is. And it's, and it's, it's just always seems like there's something around the corner. Like, as I think that I'm, I'm healing through the process, then something happens and it causes me to not just, you know, I could have just said, Oh, I was a dumbass and got drunk and drank way too much, but it was more than that. I was able to look at the situation on, you know, why is this bothering me more than before? And, and, and not beating myself up for it, just saying it happened And what can I do moving forward to make it to be different or to get a better outcome, which I, I, you know, I don't know if I always did that. So I guess, you know, with age and with, with experience, this is how I'm looking at my life. And I I think still, you know, your body's trying to recover from all the trauma, all the cortisol. I, I like, I liken the influx of cortisol in my body to like somebody who's been an alcoholic for decades, never stopped drinking. And as soon as they have a couple of sips of alcohol, their liver is like saturated. Like they mm-hmm. can already, you can tell almost right away that, you know, they're kind of high a little bit from their alcohol because they just drink all the time. It's like, they're never, they're never sober almost, you know? And so I feel like that is what happened with cortisol in my body. And it's taken a long time to get to the other side of it and a lot of practice. And that's it. It's a lot of practice. So I listen now to um, EMDR bilateral stimulation with music. And I have a headset that I put on. So whenever I feel like I can't really catch my breath, I can't make a decision. Things can become too much for me. Like there's just, I don't really know what to do right now. There's too many decisions to make. And that can happen more easily to me now, which is probably a little bit because I am in my sixties and a little bit because anxiety can get me pretty quick these days. And then that's the cortisol that you, you start, your body starts getting flooded with. So I put that. I'll and you've been doing a lot of work in the last, well, it's just since I've known you mm-hmm. of working towards healthy healing and being, you know, the whole mindfulness, we've spoken about that multiple times, um, you know, being in the moment, you've done a lot of that work. And that is work I've, I've never done because apparently I don't ever put myself first. And so one of the other things I haven't, I don't even know if I've even told you is that I reached out to someone in my community to come into the house and I now have private yoga sessions. Oh, I love that. You love it. I I've only had two. Does she um, do meditation at the end of it? Um, we do have some quiet time where we work on our breath work, and it just started with one of these. Like, of course, because I am getting older, and 
And I think all the sitting I did, and it was a lot of limited movement when Tom was alive because I was always in the room with him. Yeah. Um, you know, I get up now and I know I'm like one cough away from throwing my back out because my whole body is stiff. And so I've been thinking I need to stretch, but you know, I'm not, I'm not good at doing things on my own. And so I saw something on Facebook, a community Facebook post, and I saw this person respond and I reached out to her and said, do you do in-home classes? She's like, absolutely. So we did, we're just doing 30 minutes right now. We'll, we'll move up to an hour. She offers an hour session, but after the first one, I'm going to, I'm going it, to, it's funny because she was like, well, what did you think? Cause it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like crazy yoga or anything. It was just a lot of breath work and some easy, simple stretches and movements. And I told her, I was like, you know, I love this. She goes, well, I wasn't sure because we didn't do a lot. I said, no, I loved it because you told me to breathe. And I don't think I have, tr- I've held my breath. It feels like for the last seven years since 2016, I feel like I've been holding my breath. And she, she actually would watch me and say, okay, deep breath. You're holding your breath, breathe out, breathe in. So it was someone monitoring me and that's what I needed. And I'll be honest, it is nice having someone tell me what to do for a change. And instead of me always having to run the show. And so it was nice to give that control over and just have her tell me to breathe, tell me to sit quietly. Cause I think I have this level of anxiety. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm always vibrating. It feels like it just all the time. This anxiety is incredibly high. And on the, that, those 30 minutes, I had a session on Wednesday uh, with her. We do it every Wednesday morning. And it, again, this Wednesday, it was, I was able to better get a feel for, I, I am this, this, 30 minutes, I do relax. I don't feel the anxiety as high as when I'm not breathing. So it's helping reinforce the idea that I do need to take time for myself and I do need to, I just need to breathe. Well, so when you're breathing, specifically breathing, you're in the moment because you can only think about breathing. She's telling you what to do. And so you don't have time. Your brain doesn't have time to think about, oh, I didn't do that. Or what is the rest of my day going to look? Or I hope I feel better later. All you can think about is your, is your breathing. You're breathing yeah. in, you're breathing out, you're breathing in, you're breathing out. And I, I, that's the beginning of really understanding meditation. I would love for you to take a course on meditation. I'm going to look for it. It's like specifically for meditation, because once once you learn the technique and once once you're coached through meditation, you'll get more out of whatever app you use for meditation because you'll learn it in a different way. You'll examine it a little bit. You fully incorporate gratitude in with your meditation. It becomes a real game changer and it, it literally changes the chemistry in your brain when you do it long enough. Mm-hmm. Like if I haven't meditated, if I don't mes- meditate one day, I'm, I can tell by the end of the day, you know, it's kind of like, you need to like, girl, you need to go chill and do some meditation and relax because you're not, and I do use guided meditation. Not everybody does. Some people like silent meditation and you can be coached through your breathing and your meditations to breathe in and breathe out. 
and use it when you're in stressful situations to breathe in and breathe out. Like it's, you know, once you get a want, like you could ask your yoga teacher if she actually teaches meditation. I a lot of times, well, they you know, it's, it's funny you say that because in the beginning of our session, w- there is a lot of like just, you know, several minutes of breath work where there is the guided, like, you know, gratitude either for myself or if, if there's others that I want to, you know, things that I need to be grateful for. There is that. And that's what I like is like, it, you're right. It is hard to think of anything else. And I'm, I will tell you, like, I have, you know, a guided meditation app on my phone and, and I'm not always great at quieting the noise in my head and think I, I will constantly think of stuff, but it has been different with her in the room with me and mm. knowing it is one-on-one because I know, I know she's watching and following and making sure even with the the yoga poses I've done, I've done just a handful. I can't even say it is more than five times, but I have done group yoga sessions and I always am in the back because, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed or, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I belong to this group of people because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I know I'm never doing it right, but having her really instruct me, move, you know, you need to move your foot to 45 degrees, you know, to, to really learn the correct poses is going to benefit me in the long run. And so I'm super happy. I'm just happy that I not only thought about wanting to do it, but I pulled the trigger to do it. I am guilty of wanting to do things, but never pulling the trigger to do them. Mm -hmm. And, and I did it. And, and I even, you know, told myself, this is for me. This is, and she's, she's even said, you know, if you want to invite other people over, you know, that's, that's fine. If you want to have, you know, maybe get some of your friends over. And I told her, I was like, no, right now I'm going to, I'm going to be selfish. This is for me. And I'm not sharing this with anybody. This is, this is my 30 minutes, you know, and hopefully we'll get to the hour, but this is my time. I'm not, I'm not bringing anybody into this time with me. She'll be good for you. Meditation is definitely part of yoga. Usually a lot of times you do it at Shavasana at the end of your yoga practice. Sometimes you, you can open with it and you can end with it. Um, Either way is great. Um, You'll learn some of it, but you can, you could actually ask her about specifically about just doing breath work for meditation. You can say, I try meditation. I work on it. Um, I, I, I don't lose myself in it. And it does take practice to be good at meditating you. And sometimes meditating can not work even for me when I've done it for a long time and people have done it for many, many years, more than me. There are times when the meditation is just weird and freaky. Like you just go places that are just weird. Um, Mm -hmm. Or some, a lot of times meditation takes you to a place where you don't even hear the guided meditation anymore. And you think, Oh wait, they rang the bell. It's over. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and then you come out of it. and I can't say I've ever had that happen. No, no, you wouldn't yet, but you, you could, it could be a a goal, something to look for in your life because it is a, it is a game changer. It is very quieting and you can, I use it when I go like take Tom to appointments and you don't have the waiting long, or I'm not sure what's going to happen as a result of it or whatever. So I go into like a meditative state that I can do in public that nobody knows that I'm meditating. You know, like I play solitaire on my phone. That's meditative. That's a form of meditation. So basically, if you have to think about solitaire, 
something wrong there because it's really not that hard a thing to do. You just kind of go into like mm-hmm. mindfulness phase, you know. But I think it would be good for you to learn some more med- the meditative side of it too, meditation side of it. And well, I'll I, ask I her when I when I see her agree with how you feel about being told what to do. Because I, you know, you know, I was training to be a yoga teacher. Then the pandemic happened. I also had gallbladder surgery, so it was really complicated. And I, meaning like time-wise, I had gallbladder surgery. And and then a few weeks later, we were in shutdown phase in the country from COVID. And and so we were doing it online and I kind of got lost in it. And and then I didn't, I didn't really like doing it. I was going to have to teach other people. And, you know, I, I was a teacher for a long time. I thought I would be good. And people who knew me thought I would be good at teaching yoga. And I absolutely could not stand it. I want to be told what to do. I I found that that is what I like. One of the things I like I about going into down dog or yeah. tell me just tell like, me what to do. Which is so if when you think about because you're a pretty um you're like me we we take control of things because they need to be taken control of, and I find that that is where I'm at a lot. That's where I had to be for Tom's diagnosis. Um, I've not always had to be the person in control. Tom was that for me. And now I'm just finding, I like, I like just being able to give up that control, which is what I'm, I'm really enjoying about having her here. Just telling me to breathe just, and that's, that's the thing that's so it just seems such a simple task. Tell me to breathe, but it it is it's huge. It, it that has been like one of the the things that I'm I'm really taking away from this is just the this idea that I'm I can breathe again. Mm-hmm. And you um you know you're giving yourself grace by by having her come in and having a one on one instead of putting yourself in an uncomfortable position. You made the decision to say, this is important for me. I want to be healthier. And and there isn't one road to being healthy, right? There's right. so many different avenues that bring you to health. I When I started losing weight, I was 60 pounds overweight. And it became important to me to, to take care of my health. Well, I wasn't really sure what I was doing. I counted calories, which and I can get old, but I I did do it right right to the end, and then I I pretty much maintained, except for like I said earlier, those few extra pounds that I did end up gaining. But I also have Hashimoto's with the um, hypothyroidism, so you do fight your metabolism even even if you're well medicated and your your quote unquote numbers look good with your thyroid and everything. And so it's not the only answer. There's other there's other things, you know. There's the mind body connection. Uh, that's really important. And it's, it doesn't, it's not going to happen under one, under one roof. There are many different windows into your health. And so if you, as you think of them, you try them out. If something doesn't work, then don't do it. Like if running is never your thing, then you probably shouldn't try running or try running, but just give yourself grace when you say, well, that really sucked. And I don't know why Mary Ward ever did any running. Cause that's so dumb. <laughs> But I I agree. I mean, it's just really finding what works for you. Yeah. And it can't be one thing. Like, so it's, it's food. You're working on food choices now that are going to make you feel healthier. And, uh, and I eliminated gluten from my diet years ago. And I, once in a while I cheat and I, 
I don't regret it. You know, I don't usually feel good the next day, but it's usually something that was like, oh, it was so good though. Yeah. And I'm willing to take the, my body's willing to take the abuse for it. So I can't do it all the time. I can't drink anymore. I love drinking. I love drinking wine, but my body, I just don't tolerate it. So I, I had to stop. It was sad. It was almost like a funeral for myself. Like, oh my God, I'm never going to have wine again, but it wasn't good for me. It interrupted with my sleep. I didn't feel good. I, I'd end up really nauseous after drinking. So you have to be good to yourself, you know, because really at the end of the day, if you're not good to yourself, who's going to be good to you? Right. And it's just, and and that's where, that's what it is. It's, it's being good to me, giving myself the grace I need to see that it's okay to put myself first, which is a place that I have not been in, in a very long time. I have a good quote from my, my lady there, Pema Chodron, who's like the queen of meditation and mindfulness. And it's from her book, When Things Fall Apart, Heart advice for difficult times and it's just a little quote from the very beginning to the very end pointing to our own heart to discover what is true isn't just a matter of honesty but also of compassion and respect for what we see which is that's what we're talking about yeah giving yourself grace is respecting yourself you're important too and i I've said this before. I feel like I've said this on this podcast um, about self-care. I feel self-care is overused. It's um, it's the answer for, okay, ALS caregivers, have a good laugh because we all know that everybody tells us, you know, but have you had any self-care? And you're like, okay, like there's no time for me to have self-care. So remember to put the oxygen mask on first. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for your words of wisdom, but you know, I have to go, I'll be right back. Hold that thought. I have to go section my husband, suction my husband. I mean, like, what is that? You know, like, (laughs) because no one else is in the house to do it. I must do it. And so, and so then they, then the, the rest of the phrase goes, self-care because that will make you a better if you're taking care of yourself you'll be a better caregiver and i completely disagree with that that is an outcome probably but it should not be the intended outcome the intended outcome of self-care is that you're taking care of yourself because you matter every bit as much as the person you take care of they don't matter more or less than you they matter as much as you you are equal people on this earth we are all human beings Yours just happens to need a lot of care, but it doesn't mean that taking care of yourself, you must do it to take care of them. Who would even want, I wouldn't even do self-care if you told me that was the reason why. (laughs) I'm enough of a rebel to take care of someone else. Yeah. Yeah. If I, I'm enough of a rebel to say, no way, man, I'm not doing it then. I'm going to go like work out so that I could be a better caregiver instead of like right now living in my vessel, I feel really good. And I I don't feel one bit of guilt that he's got ALS and I feel really good. It's unfortunate that he has ALS. Very unfortunate. And it's unfortunate for him more than me, but also for me, because I've I've had a lot of losses too in my own life. But we are separate people, completely separate people. And you, I'm not big on the word deserve either. Or fair, because like, what is fair? It's not fair to have ALS. It's not fair to have mm-hmm. learning disabilities. It's not fair to have, nothing's fair. If you look at it, what is fair then, you know? Yeah. Uh, and deserving, like who deserves what? 
I mean, I I don't know. I'm not I'm not the maker of deserving anything. I don't I don't hold that ruler and say you deserve this and you deserve that. There's somebody said that to me one a couple of times. Well, you don't deserve that. I'm like, well, how do you know I don't deserve that? <laughs> maybe maybe I did deserve that. <laughs> you you even... know, I could have been a real bitch in my past life. Yeah, no, I I get it. I but get what you're for yourself. Yes, you deserve to give yourself the best that you can within the time frames that you have whatever they are. The lady that I was listening to on Mel Robbins podcast yesterday, the one about fitness and muscle strength, is she was saying, listen, you don't even need to go to a gym to get those muscles going. You could, for however long you could do a push-up, whatever that is for you, you could do a push-up. You could, to anything that resists that is a muscle resistant. I use bands because free weights, are, I just ruined my shoulders with free weights. So I use bands. But if I was in the room with Tom, because that's where I needed to be most of the time, you could take your bands in there. It doesn't take much to use a band. It's not complicated. If you care about yourself and you want to do something for yourself, there's a way to do it. And if you learn about meditation, even in bits and pieces, at surprising moments, you can use meditation as self-care as a way to center yourself, you know, like I've put my earphones on and listened to my bilateral stimulation and I'll send Tom a text and say, don't interrupt me for a little while. Cause I'm listening to my bilateral stimulation music <laughs> for your own good health. Don't bother me. Just only in an emergency, like that's setting a boundary, which is important. I mean, I think you give yourself grace when you set boundaries too. Yeah. I, and that was what I was not good at, you know, when I was caring for Tom, I was not good at setting those boundaries. And again, like we said earlier, I was not good at giving myself or putting myself, giving myself the same importance, love and patience that I gave Tom. And you, you told me multiple times, I've heard you say it many times. And it was something that towards the end of Tom's diagnosis, as things were getting harder, because we were you know, I could see the disease had progressed and he was losing more and more of his abilities. And I knew that locking in was something we were going to have to deal with at some point. Cause I could see, you know, things, just his face, you could just see the, him losing the muscles in his face. Um, and of course the FTD, but you would say, cause I, I think you knew how close to the edge I was. You would tell me you can't let ALS kill you. ALS will take your husband, but ALS can't take you. And the reality is, is some people, some caregivers do die mm -hmm. before the person they're taking care of does mm -hmm. just because of they're not taking care of themselves, the stress, whatever. Um, and, and at the end of Tom's life, that is what I had to cling on to is, well, I didn't give myself all the grace and I didn't give myself all the self-love I needed that was the one piece is that I did start learning to set boundaries with the care and, and saying to myself, I cannot let this disease make our son an orphan. It can't take both of his parents. And, and that I think was the beginning of me learning to love myself and, and giving myself permission to you know, give myself that same grace and love and patience that I gave, I gave Tom. And so it has been a very hard path to, to do that, especially when you're so used to not doing it. And I'm not a hundred percent, but I try 
to be better at giving myself grace. None of us will ever be a hundred percent though. You know, we are, you know, I want it all. I want to be perfect. You know, it's, that's just me. <laughs> that's true. I'm kidding folks. Um, it, but it is, you, you do want to be good at it. You want to, but, but that's part of the giving yourself grace is to realize you are human and you're not going to be a hundred percent all the time. That's right. And even more so when you've been through what you've been through and what we're still going through, you know, when I, when I opened my Etsy shop, which I think I, I talk about that almost every podcast now, but it's, it's something important for me and that I work on all the time. Um, it's Kergi, it's, um, cottage at maryhaven.etsy.com for people who are interested in, you know, some nice, there's, there's going to be more stuff out of there. I'm adding paper with seeds in it that you can put in your garden and grow that on paper that's biodegradable. So it's kind of cool. Um, there's bookmarks on there and stuff, but I called it a caregiver owned business. Cause you have like this little bit where you can describe yourself, but it's the, uh, I don't know if you're limited to like 55 spaces or something. And I had to really think about, you know, did I want to do that? Did I want to say I was a caregiver owned business? Should that be important? And um, and I decided that it was because I, I actually don't define myself as a caregiver, which could be surprising to our listeners um, because we are ALS caregiver and beyond. But it's a particular lane that I'm in when I'm sitting here doing this. I'm I'm many more things like caregivers are. I'm many more things than um being a, being a caregiver. So it's not how I define myself. I would define myself as a photographer, as a writer. I was a teacher, a mom. I'm a good human. I'm a spouse. Not, none of those take precedence over any other one. Those are just all the mix of all the things that I am. And yes, I'm also a caregiver, but it's not actually the thing that defines me. So funny that I should use it on my Etsy page. Well, I did that on my Etsy page specifically because I want people to know that there are people like me out there who are engaging in the world in a different way, even with all the confines. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty isolated, which I think probably a lot of people listening would understand that. And I know you understand that. Um, I don't travel really. Um, I don't, I mean, not, I mean, it was a year ago that I went to the gala for, I went for a hot 48 hours and it, and it was hard. Um, I haven't been away from them since then, you know, mm -hmm. and traveling together is, you know, it's dicey. It's not easy. It's not as easy to do. It upset, it upsets a lot of the things that I have in place organizationally structure for our day that help him do so well and also help me do so well. So, um, so why would I call that a caregiver own business? Because I have to give myself grace. Like if you, I'm working on a project, somebody contracting me for, to work on a project. And I gave a lot of time for me to be able to do this project. And I appreciate that you'll give it to me. And she's a caregiver, so she knows, and she knows I'm a caregiver. But if you're not a caregiver and you contract with me, I want you to know that about me. Because if I have an emergency, your project gets pushed out and you can be patient or you can cancel it, whatever it is that you need to do. But I need for you to know that the things that I have to do to take care of my husband have to have to come first. And that is a caregiver role that I can't get away from. And I don't want to get away from it because that's where we are. But I encourage other people, Nikki Stevens, who we both know and love, has opened her own uh, refillery shop on her property in California. And she called herself a caregiver 
owned business. I love that. I would love to see more caregivers doing it. Um, Just as we have veteran owned and women owned, we have Uh caregiver owned businesses. Business. And we want you to support us. And, and what is that? I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying, oh, come and buy a lot of bookmarks or seated paper or I'm, my favorite on my shop is uh, my photography that I print on paper. And I sometimes go through a couple of sheets of paper before I get it right. But, you know, that's cool. That That's interesting for me to do. And I really lose myself in that. But if you don't want to buy any of it, if you can think to yourself, oh, like I could I could offer Mary some some insights into what she could do for social media to get people to drive more people to her shop or to do this or do that. If you have the experience... I want, I want you to give me support in some way. So being a caregiver on business with the obstacles that we have in our life, how can we still be vital parts of society? Help us do that. It's yeah. good for us. We engage ourselves. When I'm working my business, I'm working, I'm doing that. I'm the proprietor of Cottage at Mayor Haven. I'm not a caregiver, even though it's a caregiver on business. It's like, it's like a funny thing, right? Cause like you, so you are and you aren't. You're saying I am this, but when I'm doing this, I'm not thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I I would love to have support. And I would love to see many more caregivers say that in their businesses as well, because sometimes the only way we can do anything different is by setting up our own businesses, doing our own things, because you would never, I would never be able to stay in the classroom right now. How many days I would have to take off work? It would be insane yeah. to fire me. Yeah. Well, we lose so much of our professional career mm-hmm. as caregivers. And I think that's something, if you're not in this lane, you don't, you don't understand, which, you know, we could say we are a vet or we are a caregiver owned podcast. We are, let's say it. I'm going to put it in the description, <laughs> a caregiver owned podcast, because that's what we are. And I think that's giving yourself grace when you say that, because you're saying, I want to do this. I'm good at this. I'm really good at what I'm doing in my Etsy shop. But I do have to give myself grace because there's still only so many hours in the day. And I there's a lot of tasks. I'm like, I don't know. I have like a PhD in task mastering. <laughs> they should give that out. Can we put that on a diploma? Yeah. Well, I can start giving certificates out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we want to hear from our listeners. Let us know um, how you find grace in your life, whatever it is, small, big, medium, just send us a note and let us know and we'll read it on the air. Absolutely. Send us an email or send us a message on our Facebook page, which is ALS Caregivers and Beyond. Um, That's the only social media we have because we can't handle anymore. (laughs) And we give ourselves grace for that. We don't have Instagram or Twitter. We have our own personal ones and you can find me on mine's mine's a public page. It's well, I have two. I do have the one for the cottage at Mary Haven, but I'll be honest, I find it hard to get myself posting in there and then maybe putting some things on Instagram. I'm not I'm probably more a Facebook person than anything else. I don't put any really anything on Twitter. I just get nosy and look around on Twitter. But but we'll um, post for our listeners. We'll post all of our contacts and things that we do. Um through our uh, show notes. Yep, that'll be good. Well, so I did my reading already. Um, I'll put that in there. I thought it was a a good reading for us, you know. It was. Is um, compassion and respect. Give yourself love. 
I agree. Well, Miss Mary, this has been very therapeutic for me to talk through this. Yeah, this was good. We want it the next time we want an update on how do you say it? Your FODMAP? FODMAP. FODMAP. <laughs> I want an update Working on that. Working through okay. it. <laughs> All right. Till the next time. Bye.